0: Just a little friendly reminder out there to all you listeners, make sure to subscribe to the National Land Realty podcast. No matter what platform you use, there is a subscribe button. Make sure to click that. That's how we measure our success and measure the value that we bring to the table. Welcome to episode number 76 for the National Land Realty podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we're talking with an agent with National Land Realty out of Oklahoma, Dylan Smith. Dylan is relatively new to land sales, but don't let that fool you. He's a fifth-generation farmer who has a passion for land. After a budding science career, Dylan went back to his agricultural roots and now helps residents of Oklahoma buy and sell farms and recreational tracts. This episode is a great insight on what it takes to make it as a land real estate agent, as well as some interesting stories from the field. Now sit back and enjoy. So I am sitting here today with with a relatively new agent uh, at National Land Realty. We got Dylan Smith here. Um, Dylan, you're out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma Oklahoma is your office. Um, But, you know, tell me a little bit about you're newer in terms of of being with National Land, but you've been working with land your whole life. And which is sort of the background of a lot of the agents that we have. But um, yeah, you've been in it as far as like working in and around land. Um, tell
1: me a little bit about your background and just how you got here. Yeah. So, uh, first off, thanks for having me. Um, I am, uh, very new to land in the grand scheme of things. After some of the agents I've met here at national land, they've been doing this for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. They've made a career out of it. This is still my first, um, I'm coming up on year one uh, the end of year one and, uh, in land sales. And I've, I've absolutely loved it. I, uh, my background, I grew up in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, which was Northwest Oklahoma and, uh, grew up on a farm and, uh, my family's had this farm for five generations. Now I'm generation number five and, uh, we raise wheat and a little bit of cattle and, uh, my family also has a, you know, a couple hunting tracks in Eastern Oklahoma, East Central Oklahoma. And yeah, I've been, I've been blessed to be able to, you know, work on a farm my entire life and, uh, you know, be able to go hunting and take hunting trips with my family and, and whatnot. And I knew I, I loved doing those things, but, you know, whenever you're trying to figure out your career path as a young guy. Um, you know, as an 18 year old kid, I had no clue that you could do what I do and make money doing it. To be honest, I mean, I, I get to go out and check out properties and and get to interact with people just like my father and grandfather every day. And I never thought this, something like this would be a career path available to me. And I literally, you know, tripped into this career and, for the past year I've been you know slowly picking up business and getting getting to assist people buying and selling land and I've, I've absolutely loved it it's been great
0: so I got to ask you so you you said the same farm for five generations this isn't like a farming family it's the same land
1: yeah it's the same land we've bought a couple properties here and there and we've leased here and there but um, no I live currently I live 2 miles um, less than two miles from the house that my great grandfather built. Um, and the, er, yeah, great grandfather built in the 1900s, 1950s, I believe. And, uh, yeah, the same wheat pasture and, uh, yeah, it's pretty special. Um, we're on the Chisholm trail, which Jesse Chisholm used to, you know, run cattle from South Texas up to Kansas whenever the first transcontinental railroad came through and, yeah, that's what my family's done forever. And, uh, I love it. So this, isn't, it.
0: so this isn't just like you grew up in an area, Oklahoma, like land and did it like you're talking, you're probably in diapers on a tractor. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, no <laughs> first, first, uh, first harvest. I was probably one year old, you know, out there on the combine with my father and, uh, have a lot of story stories and memories in the tractor with my grandfather and whatnot. And, oh Yeah. I've been doing it since i was little and and i love it i'm really blessed um i've been able to it's really made you know interacting with clients that you know are looking to purchase like wheat pasture or you know uh, ranch land where they can put more cattle it's made it really easy for me because like i said they're just like my grandpa you know they 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 sit in the same coffee shops and they talk about the same things i mean they're very similar and yeah, I've been lucky to grow up the way that I did. But yeah, no, the same the same land. We have the original deeds from like nineteen oh six. So pretty interesting.
0: So I, I would say, I would say new new to land real estate, not new to land even
1: remotely. <laughs> yeah, not new to land. I thought everyone whenever I went to uh college, I thought everyone grew up how I did, you know, Kingfisher is a small agricultural community. Uh, it's nicknamed the buckle of the wheat belt. And, um, there's a ton of wheat production out here. And whenever I went to college and I was meeting all these kids from, you know, Austin, Texas, Edmond, Oklahoma, Dallas, I realized, you know, where, where, you know, where, where do you guys keep your cattle? You know, where do you, do you, have you guys ever heard of a combine and, uh, they hadn't. So it was pretty, it was kind of a culture shock, but uh, anyway.
0: That's, you know, that's always a, I've, I've had interesting conversations when you talk to somebody that didn't grow up around agriculture, because, you know, there, there's sort of a, you, you can't escape it, right? If if you talk to somebody that sort of like grew up in an urban area and uh, you started having a conversation about anything agriculture, they're kind of like, there's that like Bubba interpretation, right? Like, Oh, you're just a hillbilly. And then it's you you can kind of like back saddle it. And then you're like, well, here, here's the deal. Like the combines that you're running are geo coordinated and, and, you know, half of those things will run on their own. And you're talking about a half million dollar car, right? Like, it, it's like, this is not, this is not like a small scale thing when you're talking about when you're, when you're working land, it's like the, the level of responsibility that somebody has growing up around land, people in urban areas don't even understand it. Um, yeah, no, Absolutely. There's a level of sophistication there that's like hard to, quantify. and so once you, once you kind of like level, you can kind of blow them away because it's, it, it's a unique kind of thing and it's, they're, they're different areas and, and, you know, bridging that gap when you're talking to somebody where you, you, you can kind of clue them in like, all right, no, this is not as, this is not as backwards as you think it is. Like most agriculture runs on a fairly sophisticated level and you've got to know things that like you in the urban area have never even thought about. Um, Definitely. So it's, it's very much a thing
1: like that. No, um, absolutely. And I think it's kind of the same way with hunting. I think that, uh, you know, if, if you think back 30 years ago, um, you know, hunters wearing camo, um, was kind of portrayed as, you know, the redneck side <laughs> uh, immediately. You, you had a, you're kind of looked down upon in society and now, you know, especially here in Oklahoma hunting tracks are worth a ton of money and um the only guys that i know that consistently kill large deer i mean they're pretty successful guys and, and they work really hard to to be that redneck hunter and and kill big deer it's it's a it's something to be proud of now same with farming i mean it's almost impossible to just get into a farming full clip and you know come off the street and get into a full clip and be able to purchase a tractor that can pull a disc and a plow and, and a drill and then purchase a combine that can harvest those. And then to do it at volume to where it can be somewhat profitable. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, just whenever you actually realize that, you know, you're not just a hillbilly from middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you used to also host a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how I kind of got into um well it's kind of a long story, but I uh I got into the outdoors obviously as a child, going hunting with my grandpa and dad and whatnot. But um I started I was working in a medical diagnostic laboratory. I got my degree from OU and in chemistry. And biology, because I really didn't know what I was doing with my life. I, I had no clue. I knew what I was passionate about, had no clue that I could make money doing it. Well, I was working the night shift at a diagnostic laboratory, and knew that I had a lot of passion towards, you know, hunting and, and being outside, and I and I wanted to put some energy towards that passion in order to keep myself sane and so on the weekends i'd go hunting with outfitters and 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 my buddies and we'd hop on a podcast and talk about our hunting stories and that's kind of how i started turning myself around to realizing that you know hey this is something that i really care about i'd be willing to do this for free um you know be outdoors and and work with people like like who i work with and um, luckily got an opportunity to work for a land brokerage, uh, that was located here in Oklahoma city and, uh, yeah, got licensed shortly after and hopped on with national land in, I think it was January of this year. And, uh, yeah, my podcast was about hunting and, and just being outside. And, and that's what opened my eyes to understanding that, you know, I am passionate about it and that's what I, I want to do.
0: And you had mentioned to me before that, that sort of, you know, we obviously poached you from somebody else and I don't want to throw shade at anybody. You know, everybody's trying to make their living and everything like that. But, but when you kind of eyeballed what national land was doing, you kind of just in it from your college background and everything, you're kind of looking at the technology side of things. Uh, You know, we, we, we run unique technology around land touring being land tour 360 And, and, but tell me a little bit about about coming on board and the training and the support that you've experienced kind of with national land. It's, it's good feedback if anything, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, the, to be honest, the, the, the biggest thing that I noticed with national land was the willingness to help. Um, there seemed like there was a, a large desire from the older guys to actually invest time and energy and effort into the younger guys such as me. I mean, I'm 26. It's very rare to get a broker or a successful land agent that's, you know, super busy with, you know, 30 different transactions, you know, monthly to invest any time into a younger guy that really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, That's just the honest truth. And, you know, since I went and met, I met with a few different brokerages whenever I was ready to make the leap. And National Land had Greg Ford, Jay Castles, uh, Clay Baxter, uh, Mark Lewis. All of these, mainly those four guys, that were that seemed super willing to help me get to a place where I could do this full time. Um, and so that's why I made the switch. And uh, I partnered up with Christian Hayes, a younger guy uh, close to to Kingfisher, and yeah, we we've learned a lot and luckily had a lot of guys there to guide us um as well as from a corporate brokerage side um i liked the land tour 360 technology uh the land glide or our land base and yeah I, there was there was just a lot to learn i remember my first weekend at boot camp uh i was taking notes and i had like five pages of notes whenever i was on that zoom call of things that land national land offered that i had no clue about you know
0: and you're dropping names there like jay castles and mark lewis and and some of those other and I'm, i'm gonna forget like half of them but like just within those two you're talking about one of the most successful land you know agents in the country and two of the most successful land agents in the country one of them's presidents of the national deer association in that area and one of the senior most members of that Um, you know, cultivating wildlife management plans with chronic wasting disease and and wildlife management. Mark Lewis, with more, he'll forget more things in his lifetime than I will ever pick up
1: that are all there kind of supporting you, right? Like, like, you've got this network of knowledge that's just ridiculous. Absolutely. And um, still to this day, I can pick up, they will answer first ring unless they're with a customer or, or client. And, uh, You know, they'll, they'll be able to walk me through just about anything. I would say I'm not, even though I did grow up around, you know, land and farming and hunting and whatnot, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in anything yet. I mean, I'm 26 years old, but I also, you know, have the humility to understand that about myself and go to those other guys that, that are experts that, you know, will help me through a transaction and, uh, it's been super valuable. I mean, even their connections that they have, they've brought to me and it's just been great. And
0: that's one of the biggest pieces too is like when you're working with a landowner, you want to have that resource database, right? Where it's like, okay, I, I I got a good land attorney, I've got a good an accountant that understands agriculture. We we've right. got, you know, there's there's somebody we know that, you know, can can help you facilitate a 1031 or any kind of complexities in in a transaction or, or help somebody manage the taxation of a transaction. And you build that up over time as an agent, but getting access to somebody else's, you know, database of people to contact, it, it just accelerates the process to where you have resources that you otherwise would have taken you a
1: lifetime to achieve. Absolutely. And I will say this, uh, you know, one thing I knew from the get-go with those guys was it really was a team effort. You know, there was, um, it wasn't a, in real estate, a lot of times it can be a, you know, this is mine. These are, these are my eggs in my basket and stay away from my basket. They were totally willing, like, here's my client that I haven't, you know, that I haven't been able to find a property that he's looking for. You take it free of charge, you know, or, you know, here's a listing. I want to co-list it with you so you can see the transaction top to bottom I'm going to pay you, you know, your commission, which is almost unheard of in real estate. I mean, not a lot of people are willing to work with you like that, especially as a young person that really doesn't contribute much other than sweat equity. So, um, it's been great. Like I said, they're, they're great guys and I could not have been where I'm at without them.
0: Well, and I, th- I, I think it also speaks to, uh, I think there's an element of your character in there as well i uh, i i know uh, i know a bit of mark lewis and i've I've talked to jay castle before um none of them are going to throw you anything unless they think you've got that hustle in you um yeah. so it's it's one of those i, I think i think they would be a little cagey like no one's going to hand something off to somebody they feel like is going to drop the ball
1: <laughs> right no yeah there's been times where i've had to you know step up and be like all right because it's it's i learned it's pretty intimidating whenever that landowner says, Hey, this is the culmination of my 60 years of life. It's your job to, to sell it. You know, um, there's some responsibility there and I didn't really realize that going into it, but you know, they've helped me through that. And uh, I've had to step up a few times and, and I really enjoy it now. And now I feel comfortable being able to do that for someone, you know, and know that I do it well. Well, I mean, tell me about
0: that experience. Tell me about the experience of working with a landowner the first time and sort of what's what's that growth path like where, you know, you come in and you, you know, like you just said, initially it's, you know, I'm going to help somebody sell some land. And then you don't realize going in, like this is their entire life that you're helping them sell. Like
1: what's, what's sort of the process of going through something like that? My first listing, I got a call, um, I was doing like busy work. Uh, got a call from a guy that I sent a postcard out to, and uh, he said, "Hey Dylan, this is so and so. I'd like to sell my farm, and I think that you'd do a great job at it." And I was, you know, I was so nervous. I was like, "Okay, well, what's your what's your address? I'll be there like today." And he's like, "Well, you don't <laughs> need to come out here today, but uh, I- I'm already there." <laughs> yeah, it's like. I'll come right now. We'll sell it. No, we can do it. Um, but now he was super, I told him, you know, I was straight up with him. I've never done this. And I'm going to have these resources available to me and I'm going to make sure I do a good job, but I just wanted to let, you know, I've never done this. He was a farmer, uh, originally from Montana. Um, he was retired him and his wife and they had purchased this house and had, you know, raised their children in it. And it was 46 acres and they had done some renovations to the property and they were looking at, you know, the 46 acres had become too troublesome to be able to take care of. And so they were looking at downsizing and just getting a house for them to kind of be their last house. And so, um, I went and signed all the listing contract and you know, or listing a agreement. And, you know, it didn't really hit me until I was uploading the pictures online. Like, Oh, I haven't like, this means no more vacations. This means no, like no hunting on the weekends. I want to be available in case someone wants to see this property today. And that next day I had my first showing, I hadn't even uploaded it. I posted it on Facebook and I had to show it at 8 a.m. I hadn't even got a spare key made yet. And so I showed up and um, was trying to remember, you know, during that first walkthrough, how many square feet is in the house and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I was super nervous. I was super nervous to have that responsibility. And I'm very thankful that they ended up trusting me with that and giving me that opportunity because I learned a lot. I showed that property maybe twenty-five or thirty times, and uh, at every showing, I was present, whether it was my client or another agent's client. And then ultimately, ended up bringing the buyer. Um, they've completely renovated that property, and it looks awesome. And then I had the opportunity to, you know, represent that that couple in purchasing their property that they live on now in uh, Stillwater. So. It was just a sweet, sweet story. They were great people and super understanding of, you know, the learning opportunities that I was faced with. And and, and I'm super thankful for them.
0: How much did you lean on other veteran agents when you were going through that first transaction? A, a
1: ton, you know, I was, I made Christian Hayes come to the closing with me and he said, why? And I said, just because I don't, I don't know what a closing is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> And so they didn't even call me into the closing, you know, table. I was just in the hallway with the closing gifts. But and Christian sat in there with me and he said, all right, man, I'm telling you, you're going to be fine, but I'll be here just in case you need me. And uh, he showed up to the closing. Everything went as planned. And I'm very thankful that it did because I was on pins and needles at that time.
0: Yeah, Well, yeah, because you want everything to go well for the client. You don't want it to, there to be any hangups, And until it's on Absolutely. paper, it's never finalized. So you, you just need like, please don't let something go wrong for these people.
1: <laughs> and another thing, um, neither party wanted to do any e-sign. Like we only did physical documents for everything. So I was running around getting, you know, getting physical paper signed and, and paper and ink. And, uh, then I would send pictures to mark my broker and say, Hey, is this correct? And he'd say, no, 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 no. You need to go back and have them like amend it. And you're like, okay. So then I drive back to the seller's house and then back to the buyers. And I don't know, I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off, but I learned a lot and I now much more confident at something like that, but (laughs) it was definitely a learning curve. Um, and all those firsts, you know, those were, you know, I'll look back. I already look back and like miss the nervousness going into a closing. I mean, I don't know if that will ever go away, but that first closing, I was terrified. And luckily I did have those guys like Mark Lewis and, and Christian Hayes to to pick up the phone and say, hey, hey am I doing this correct? Play Baxter. He's like the compliance man in Oklahoma. I mean, if you think you may or may not be complying 110%, you call Clay Baxter and he's going to give you the exact, like he just knows it. It's like he sits there and studies the bylaws of like Oklahoma real estate commission. He's super, super awesome to have around, but.
0: Yeah. And it's a tight knit office. I know that they have over there. Um, so, so when you worked with this client, you picked up, like, not only did you work with the, the, the landowner, you said you brought the buyer, which means the buyer came to you as well. Yep. Um, and then you helped the the seller find their next place you worked with like three sides of this transaction at the same time. And then you just mentioned that the new owners remodeled the house, which means you still have contact with them and you're still keeping in touch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, uh, you know, helped them make sure that their kids were going to be able to go in the right school system because it was right at the, you know, intersection of three different school districts. And I I try and stay in touch with everyone that I've met that, you know, might be looking to buy land or, or looking to sell land or just people that I've met along the way. I truly enjoy like working with people, um, even if they're not buying or selling land, you know?
0: And I was going to ask you what's been the best, uh, you know, as, as a new agent coming in, that's sort of a, a curiosity across the board is, is what's been the most effective means of sort of generating the introduction to people that could be buying or selling so
1: far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a, a multitude of things. Um, social media is one thing that I think is somewhat, you know, new to land agents. Overall, I think social media has a giant influence on bringing buyers and sellers to the table, um, as well as the letters. Um, I've seen a lot of letters through national land. Whenever I'm working with, you know, a buyer that's looking for a specific type of property, I can go to national land and say, Hey, these are the, these are the requirements that this buyer is looking for. Um, the, You know, I don't want to give away any secrets or anything, but (laughs) um, essentially there's great ways of writing letters really helps still Um, social media really helps local, you know, on the ground boot work. That's that I think is probably the most valuable form of marketing, like bringing in donuts to the local grain mill and going and talking with those farmers at the co-ops. Just really knowing everyone that could be, you know, buying or selling. That's, that's a huge plus in my favor, um, through my connections, through my family, you know, in Kingfisher. But I'd say, you know, social media, the letter drops and postcard drops. That's a, that's still, you know, tried and true. And then just on the ground boot work, going and talking to people and introducing yourself to as many people as you can. and, and, yeah, telling them that you're willing to go to work for them if they're ready.
0: I was just going to say too, and, and again, yeah, we've got some inside technology that we don't want to disclose and all that kind of stuff. But you were just talking about working with some buyers and you would already, you sent out letters on their behalf to, to different landowners, letting them know that, that you were working with a buyer, but you had to refine it. So, you, I mean, it, it's hard to understate the obligation that you had to those buyers to do something like that, to walk me through kind of I mean high level like you're you're running multiple campaigns on one person's behalf just to try to get
1: a piece of land for them, right? Absolutely. yeah, if I know if I have a buyer that's extremely serious and and they're looking for, let's say pasture ground within ten miles of their um, of their current operation. Um, I'm looking at, you know, soil types, what's gonna have the most nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium in their hay production and and uh in order for them to graze off whatever they're looking for. So I'm gonna, you know, look at a prop, look at the different properties online and be able to decipher what would be a good fit for them. Then we're gonna go in and and I'm gonna send them letters and you know, talk to all these landowners uh, that maybe considered you know, selling land. And, and that's, it's about as simple as it gets. Uh, If they're, if they're willing to sell, then, you know, it's time to go. And yeah, I try and do as much as I can for, you know, if I'm working with a buyer that's serious and and looking to to buy something relatively soon, then I'll go above and beyond to make sure that I can facilitate that transaction for them. So.
0: Yeah. And, and which is, And I I wanted to call that out because I mean, I know that you and I were just talking just briefly kind of before this, but I thought it kind of spoke to the sort of effort that you've been putting into these things first, you know, there's not a lot of people that do that, right? Like it's, 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 it's a work ethic that's uncommon. And, but I do see a lot of it in land agents in particular. Um, You know, that's, that's sort of a thing, but I definitely wanted to call that out. You were talking a little bit about uh, family background in the area, and there's a rapport building that happens in small towns that's that's really unique. And and it's it, 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 the you know anybody I'm, that's listening to this that's in a small town is like yeah, but uh, people outside of small towns don't realize it. And and I go through it myself. I grew up in a small town, but I moved away when I was you know college age, and I haven't moved back. I still like go back all the time, but I just being gone the amount of time that I've been gone, I still get this like, well, you're not from here anymore. And it's like, what's
1: the <laughs> no, it, it it, uh, thing? It definitely helps being from here and being local. Um, but you know, it's really easy to, to develop a a great reputation here because if you do well by someone, all of those farmers that are sitting in the co-op or all of those guys sitting at Sunrise Cafe having their morning breakfast, they're going to tell each other, hey, Dylan Smith sold my 80 acres and, and it went really smoothly. And that's the most organic form of marketing that I can ever do. Um, it's also super easy to you know, lose that reputation in a small town. Um, if you your your worst client is what you will be remembered by so it is my you know it is my goal to try and serve everyone to the you know full extent that i can and represent them the best that i can because uh world word travels fast you know it's it's
0: a you could do a million things right in a small community but you do one thing wrong and that is your name
1: definitely yeah you got to keep that in mind and and this you know real estate is just working with people and Um, that's all it is at the end of the day, you're working with people, helping them get from point A to point B and, uh, all that matters is how, how you go about making decisions and handling certain situations on their behalf and making sure you're doing right by them. Yeah. so, and so
0: have you been working with mostly with buyers or mostly with sellers or is it just sort of 50, 50 kind of in between, or is there a specific that, that you're targeting as, as is, is there one that works
1: better with you as a newer agent? Um, I was told that, you know, the majority of my clients would be buyers, uh, my first year, but I've been working, I'd say pretty 50, 50. I mean, I've had people contacting me to sell their land and and I've been bringing buyers. And then, you know, the people that that property didn't necessarily fit, I'm making sure that I, if they did contact me about that property and it wasn't a perfect fit for them, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, continue to help them find their next property, whether it's listed by me or any other agency, um, or brokerage. And so I guess I'd have more brokerage, uh, or more, more buyer, uh, transactions than, than seller. But, um, I've had a lot of people contact me to sell their land, which is, that's a blessing. I mean, it's been great. Have you had any weird interactions? Blatantly Um, bad. Like it was like, Oh, fumble. No, I've, I've definitely learned. Uh, I've definitely learned. I'll just say that, um, there's been a couple, I don't want to get into too specific, but I was contacted by this woman out in, you know, far West Oklahoma and she wanted a offer today. And, uh, actually she said, bring me an offer by tomorrow. And I said, okay, well, I picked up the phone and I called the older guys. Which I do just about every you know, just about every time I have something like that. And I said, "Hey, what do I do? And one of the older guys said, "Well, give her an offer of X. and uh, you know if she takes it, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, I'll um, give you three dollars right now. <laughs> she ended up not taking it, but um I ended up calling a couple other guys and had that same mentality, like, hey, She said no to this, but she wants an offer today. She's selling this place today. I know you haven't looked at it. I know you're not gonna be able to look at it, but just trust me, like it's gonna be all right. And uh, it ended up, we got it under contract. uh, You did end up selling it. That day, yep. And then that that seller ended up turning around and, and selling it with me and just got it under contract again. So, and I got to sell the same property twice.
0: Wait a minute. So you got a call from some random person saying, "Sell my property tomorrow," and you pulled it off.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did. I guess. I mean, it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a scam. I was like, "This is like a test." As would I, yeah. But um, no, it worked out, and uh, it was a it was a crazy interaction to say the least. I mean we ended up hiring, having to hire translators and, um, you know, mobile notaries because they had never been to Oklahoma. And, um, yeah, it worked out, learned a ton during that transaction though. (laughs) That might be one of the best stories that we've had on this podcast. Yeah. I wish, I wish like, I don't know. I'm actually like, I'm going to go hunt it, uh, this weekend, that exact property. Um, the guy that ended up purchasing it, he told me that, you know, Hey, you go hunt it anytime you want. And I was like, okay, great. I will. I'm going to hunt it this weekend. So I'm bringing my bow and hopefully going to kill a deer.
0: This thing's just the gift that keeps on giving. That's hilarious. I I see. I, my instant reaction would be like, Oh,
1: cool. I got this therapist. You can call. Um, (laughs) I had to like make sure she was of sound mind and, I was like, why do you want it today? I can get, you know, let's give this a full fair market valuation and and put it on the open market for an extended period of time in order for you to maximize your return. She's like, nope, I want an offer today. And I was like, okay, that's beside me, but here we go. And you pulled it off. Pulled it off. I mean, we got it done. So, but that was probably the most interesting one. I've had a, I don't know. I've had, I've had some interesting ones. It seems like there's always something in every transaction. Uh, no, no transaction is the same as the other. So.
0: Excellent. Well, it, it sounds like it sounds like, so there, there's a few things here to read into, right? Like, you know, we're, we're talking about somebody who started in, inland land real estate in, you know, what January of this year with national land. But as far as the mentorship that you've had, Five generations of farming experience, you're already talking about examining the nitrogen and phosphorus of soils to make sure that they produce, you know produce crops in a way in a way that you think that they should for your clients and running transactions in twenty four hours. Um it doesn't seem like you're acting like a new agent.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm just here to learn, and uh, I'm just lucky that I've had a lot of opportunities to to learn, you know i um, just trying to be a sponge and absorb all of it, especially from those older guys. I would love to work in the exact same office as them every day because um, some of the stories that they've told me are just insane. And uh, I'm looking forward to a full career of it, you know.
0: Yeah, well, my, my buddies and I growing up, we had a thing that we called the gray beard Discount. And it was like, if you're out hunting or fishing and you you notice somebody that was a little grizzled and they say something, you just stop what you're doing and listen. And you pick up like 20 years of knowledge on the spot.
1: It's just a discount on knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you go and work with those guys, you work with those old farmers and ranchers. uh, You're definitely going to learn something. Um, It may not be the best way to learn or the the way that you'd like to learn. It won't be necessarily by... um, you know, them just giving you a piece of information, you may end up you may end up getting thrown down in the dirt and learning the hard way, but you'll definitely learn something, and I don't know. Luckily, <laughs> you uh, keep them entertained. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You just laugh and get up, and usually they'll be laughing too, because uh, <laughs> they had to learn that at some point as well. So awesome. Well, hey, Dylan, where are you located, and how can people get a hold of you if they're looking to buy or sell land? Uh, Kingfisher, Oklahoma? Um, Just North Central, Northwest Oklahoma. Um, Give me a call at 405-922-2076. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Dylan Smith Land. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Mac. I enjoyed it. It was good, man.
0: I did not expect that story. That is fantastic. Um, Thank you for your time. We'll have your contact information in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we'll be running this shortly.
1: All right, well, you take care, Mac. I'll see you at Summit. At Summit, yes. All right, bye. This concludes episode number 76
0: for the National Land Realty Podcast with new National Land Realty agent, Dylan Smith. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.